Welcome to this episode of Catching Knowledge, where we want more than just fishing knowledge, we want catching knowledge. Today we have a huge interview. This was almost the big one that got away. That's all I'll say, though. Skeet Reese is a pro bass angler from Auburn, California. He's a bass fishing legend. He's also a really fun guy to talk with. I think you'll find he is quite the personality. Let's get started. Today I'd like to welcome Mr. Skeet Reese to this episode of Catching Knowledge. You probably already know who Skeet is, so maybe I don't need to say an intro, but I will anyway. Skeet is a professional bass fisherman from Auburn, California. He's known for his fancy dance moves, big trucks, bald colors, and being a bass fishing legend. Welcome, Skeet. Maya, thank you for having me. Dancing, big truck, and fishing. Okay. Yeah. It's all true, though. <laughs> Not in that order. All right, let's get started. How and where did you start fishing? Well, I remember uh, catching fish with my parents, I think as early as three years old, sitting on the bank uh, catching a bluegill. And, uh, but I do remember catching my first bass. I was in a little inflatable raft with my dad when I was eight years old. And yeah, I had a little floating crankbait on there, purple, silver. I had old green and white push button spin caster. And I threw the crankbait out there and it's just floating on the surface. And I'm looking all around. I heard a splash and all of a sudden I look over where the splash was. It's kind of where I cast and I just lift up my rod and there's my first bass on the end of the line. And it was 10 inches long, but I thought it was a giant one. And we put on a stringer for a while and then my dad maybe let it go because it wasn't a legal size. And I remember bawling my eyes out because I couldn't keep it. What did you want to do with it? I wanted to keep it. I was like a pet or something. I don't know. I would have put it in an aquarium. Sleep with it at night? Yeah, well, yeah. If it was an aquarium, either that or would have eaten it. I don't know. Can you tell the listeners what you mainly fish for? Well, I mainly fish for bass. That's my job. So largemouth. Yeah smallmouth spotted bass so that's my career uh but i love fishing in general so it doesn't matter steelhead and salmon fishing on the rivers of northern california but probably more than anything is blue water fishing i loved fishing for tuna giant tuna gulf of mexico wherever it might be but uh and then just any other exotic fish i love traveling around the world trying to catch something that's mean and pulls hard and is fun to catch yeah is it true that saltwater fish fight so much harder than freshwater fish? That is 100% true. Yeah, for, if bass fishing is, I love the challenge because we can do it just about anywhere. But when it comes just to the sheer fight of a fish, pound for pound, saltwater fish kick the butt out of a bass. Yeah, they don't, like just picture like a bluegill, trying to catch a 50-pound bluegill. Can you imagine oh. what that would be like? Yeah, see, that would be like, whoa, um, that's how saltwater fish are. You get a five-pound saltwater fish of some sort trying to compare it to a bass, and they'll pull a bass backwards all day long. Some of your favorite techniques are pitching and flipping. Where did you learn those? Well, I was fortunate enough to be able to learn flipping and pitching, being around the actual godfather of flipping, D. Thomas. Grew up on the California Delta and invented the flipping technique there. And I started fishing tournaments against them when I was, shoot, 16, 17 years old. So it was right in the backyard of flipping. And, you know, I grew up fishing Clear Lake and California Delta that are both shallow water fisheries that have a lot of toolies and brush and docks and things like that that 
that's where the fish live. So you can spend a lot of time targeting that shallow cover, uh, especially in the springtime, you know, when those fish move up, you know, I guess kind of all year long, depending on the weather conditions. But those two lakes are those were my stomping grounds. I fished my first tournament, kind of semi-pro team tournament, whatever it was on Clear Lake, and just kind of fell in love with the lake then. So just kind of, that's where I learned. I've spent a lot of my time practicing, learning how to catch a fish on that lake. Have you ever caught one of those blue hybrid bass or whatever? A blue? Like for blue. I don't know what you are talking about. I've never heard of a blue hybrid bass. Like I see. Like a striper is like a scro- the cross between a striper and a white bass. You mean a hybrid? It's like, I don't know. I see these pictures all the time. And the bass is like blue or purple or something. That's Photoshop. That has no such thing as a blue bass. <laughs> all right. Color correction. Maybe they got filters now because you got all these catfish filters and like Instagram and things like that. Maybe there's a filter for fish pictures that they can when, make them different. Whenever you look up world record catfish, it's stupid how many photoshopped photos there are. <laughs> hey, do you ever watch those videos where they catch those giant whales catfish? I've actually watched a show where they went noodling for them. For the whales catfish? Yeah. That's nuts. <laughs> that is somebody that, that like, no, because those things get like eight feet long and a two, three hundred pounds. They still did it. Actually, it's That's a, nuts. Look like but that would be cool because I watched them videos where they, yeah, they're fishing in these little streams or rivers and the water's not very deep. They're fishing on like float tubes or john boats and they throw these topwater lures and they do a figure eight next to the boat and these giant catfish come up and eat the topwater baits at the boat. That wow. looks cool. I, that'll be fun. Yeah. Where's I got a question for you. What's the biggest fish you've ever caught? Uh, am, I, am, I, am I turning red right now? <laughs> <laughs> a couple uh, shades of pink. <laughs> got a 18 and a half bass. 18 Four, and a half inches? Yeah. I did catch a 19 Uh-oh. inch walleye, though. I've caught Northern bigger than that. Well, it's all right. Hey, it's a never-ending process, so keep it up. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is you're probably further along at your age than at your age. So, yeah, there's way more knowledge for young anglers now than there ever was for, you know, when I grew up, there was, we had a few magazines to learn from, and that was it. There was no videos. There's no YouTube. No, none of that. So your guys' learning process is so much faster than what we ever had growing up so the number one key to success and this is for you and your listeners everybody is that the number one thing to become a better angler is to spend more time on the water fishing the actual fishing part of it is applying techniques to conditions um, out on the water and making bad decisions and learning from those bad decisions because you didn't get a bite those are the things that make you a better angler so um as much as, you know, we all want to, you know, say, hey, there's great learning processes through YouTube and social media. Uh, it, it's still, you got to get on the water to be a better angler. So tell everybody, cut school, go fishing. Yeah. Mom. <laughs> <laughs> How do you sneak out of school to go fish? <laughs> yeah. Very. You just don't go. Get on the bike. Go to farm ponds. 
I don't Well, it's a lot different than it used to be. You know, where, you know, my brothers and I, we grew up, we had golf course ponds. We had, there was a college that had good ponds or some other lakes close by, small lakes that, uh, yeah, we could ride our bikes to. And, and then when I was old enough to drive that, shh, maybe drove to some lakes to fish going to school. Maybe, maybe not, maybe possibly. Yes. But it worked out. I'm not going to complain. Yeah. I was on the Bassmaster website or whatever, and this guy had a fish that he caught and got it stuffed. It was like eight, eight and a half or whatever. And he caught it when he was in high school playing hooky. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he kind of. Whoops. Yeah. Yeah. How do you tell your parents that when you got home? Like, Mom, 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 look at this one I caught. Oh, whoop. Yeah. That might get you in trouble. <laughs> might be worth it. <laughs> exactly. I'm down with that, so. <laughs> Why do you hate fishing a Carolina rig? It's like boring. It's like you just throw it out and you drag. It's like I want to, yeah, Carolina rigs, it's like, I, I did not fish them for the longest time because that was just like, what I was calling the ball and chain. It was just not fun to fish because you just you throw it out and just drag it. And that's just so boring. It's like there's no shaking the rod tip or hopping it. It's just bleh. drag, drag, <laughs> drag, drag, leap. You drift for miles. Uh, so that's probably why I didn't fish it as much growing up. But I have learned that the Carolina rig does work, and I've actually cashed a decent amount of checks in the last 20 years on a Carolina rig, so at times it's necessary, so it's a necessary evil. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> How's your list going? What? How's your list of questions going? Pretty good. That's a lot of paper right there, bro. Didn't Kevin Van Dam tell you he was more Who? of a... Kevin Van Dam, didn't he tell Who's you that? <laughs> AVD? Yeah. Is that like a facial cream or something? <laughs> <laughs> he he like told you he was mostly a A A student or something. Didn't he tell An you? A student? Yeah. You know what? It's, I would I, at first I would have said baloney that he was a good student, but I think he's he probably was a good student. Yeah, he's, he's a student of sport. He's probably a student of school. And he was too awkward and weird when he's young to be anything other than that. <laughs> and I can bust his chops because he's my buddy. So I listened to your non doc talk. Yeah, with Kevin? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Oh, it's good. Yeah. He's all right. <laughs> When did, didn't you start doing those like a year ago? Yeah, non-doc talk was something that, yeah, just last year was the first time I'd done them. And I just always, I'm always fascinated by other people's stories and, you know, how they got through life. And they're not just fishermen, but I love all kinds of, any kind of success story. doesn't matter what it is. And so we have a bunch of like-minded people out here on tour that, you know, have all kinds of different backgrounds and how they got to be professional fishermen. and their storyline so it's like 
wanted to create non-doc talk to interview these guys and not be the, you know, not be about me. It's be about the, you know, the, the other anglers on the show. And so I've enjoyed doing them. I'm going to keep doing them. I haven't figured out who I'm going to record yet this year. You got any suggestions who I should do for non-doc talk? Have you gotten Octopho yet? I don't like Octopho. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, he 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 did uh, graffiti all of your face. Yeah, Ott's quite the stinker when it comes to stuff like that. So that does not surprise me whatsoever. Um, so I will. That would be a good one. I might do Ott. Thank you. Anybody else? Edwin. Oh, and no, I can't do Edwin because Edwin's copied me. So he's doing his own version of non-doc talk now. So he's fired. <laughs> he copied. He's a copycat. He, yeah, I can't use him anymore. <laughs> one more. Give me one more. All right. Um, is Gary Klein still? No. He is Gary. Yeah, Gary. Hey, Gary was an inspiration to me growing up to be a professional fisherman. He was fishing. He was already fishing for a living when I was a teenager was like, oh my gosh. I remember when I was 16 years old, I got to go meet him at a tackle store. He was doing an appearance there. Yeah, I was like, ooh, man, this guy climb, man. He's little, he's like the hot new talent on the Bassmaster Tour way back then. And so it'd be good. Yeah, he's like, I'm, well, a lot of guys think I'm the old man out here now, but he's really the old man out here. How old is he? Like mid 70s? Like I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Gary's probably. He's got to be early 60s, maybe. That's pretty old to you, isn't it? Uh, can you edit out the part when I said mid-70s? Mid <laughs> I, I don't want to. Hey, Gary's. Gary, I go, hey, Mike thinks you're in the mid-70s. I don't want any powerful enemies in the fishing industry. <laughs> You'll be fine. Have you done Denny Brower? Or is that uh, I have not. I would have to do, well, unless Denny wants to come out of hibernation down in del rio texas <laughs> he would be a fun one to do yeah he's been a good friend to me so over the years when i got on tour um we just kind of hit it off and you know kind of both like-minded in a lot of ways and so we still keep in touch all the time so he's a good dude i'd love to have him on the show yeah can you tell us about some of the baits you designs like for pit boss cash out the DL straight money. And what was that new one? Uh, like, it's oh, Speed a, Boss. It's a Speed Boss. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Speed Boss, a Speed Grower, and the Boss Grub. Yeah, I think that's probably the one thing that I really have enjoyed over my career is being able to design baits. But I've been fortunate enough to be able to design a lot of very successful baits and colors. I mean, just from Lucky Craft itself, is that. Like one of the best-selling colors of all time, which has been copied, is Chartreuse Shad. Another companies call it Sexy Shad and little versions of twists. But I designed that color personally in Japan. I sat at the table and painted it for the first time and become, you know, the best-selling, one of the best-selling colors in the history of colors and hard baits. But all the soft plastics that I've done with Berkeley is, bottom line is I just start with what do I want for me to help me catch more fish? If it's going to make me a better angler, Eventually, it's going to transcend. It'll give you guys and, and the rest of the fan base out there, the anglers, a chance to be able to catch more fish. My design process always starts with, how is it going to help me catch more fish? What is it I'm missing? What is it I want out of a bait? And, you know, the pit boss, fortunately, has turned into 
I believe the number one selling bait for Berkeley. It is, you know, for a soft plastic, uh, pitching, flipping, swimming, crawling, jig trail. It doesn't matter what you want to use it for. Pit Boss does great for that or anything. The Speed Boss is the fun one that I came up with. I was wanting a swimming worm and kind of used some of the little bit of action off the, the deal that I designed uh, last year and kind of off the Pit Boss originally as far as the way the arms flap in the water. And the Speed Boss is is it turned out really, really good. It is a fish catching machine. And then we just downsized it and turned it into the boss grub as well. So if you want just to pitch it by itself, you want to put it on a wobble head, a back of a jig, whatever it might be, that's what the boss grub is for. So if I get a drop shot or a Nico rig or shaky head, I fish straight money anymore and uh, cash out. If you just need a do nothing Ned style bait, that's what that's for. So there's a lot of stuff in there. But it's fun. I, I love designing product. And when you design one that's a flop, it's not fun. But when you design one that's a success and actually works really good, it's pretty rewarding. Did you meet anyone while you were in Japan? Like that you said when you painted that color, did you like talk to Ito? Well, so, yeah, I mean, the last time I was there, which has been several years now, um, we, I went over there and I fished a little tournament over there. And we fished out of these little aluminum boats with trolling motors and I believe I finished fourth third fourth fifth I forget what it was it was fun and it was kind of uh, you know sad there was a young you know really young angler there he was a hot uh, upcoming Japanese angler when we were there and he just passed away just recently this last week Kazu 34 years old so he was in his late 20s when I competed against him there but I've, I've met a lot of the Japanese anglers over there. If I, I couldn't remember all of them, but Marizo is one of my favorites. I always loved Marizo Shimizu. Uh, he was just fun, great, big, giant personality. Could catch him. You ever hear Big Mama? Uh, no. He was, he was, uh, no. So, yeah, he was the one that claimed uh, the, the tagline Big Mama for catching big ones on Gunnersville one day. So, but there's a, there's a, it's fun going over to Japan because there's a whole lot of fishermen over there and they, they are passionate about what they do. You did pretty good on that tournament in Japan. Both, I did. Most Japanese people, they have very finesse tactics. They, well, there was those guys there. It, just where we fished was not one. It wasn't like Lake Biwa. We were on some little river type of lake. It was a little more conducive. So I got to throw, I was throwing some little tiny Lucky Craft crankbaits to catch them. Yeah, but it wasn't one of those, yeah, where it's deep, clear water, drop shot, Nico rig lake, so I had a chance. <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite pit boss color you were talking about? Black and blue, green pumpkin, Okeechobee craw, perfection. What am I missing? Ooh, California, Texan. Mm. <laughs> but, like, the, the two colors that I go through the most – Hands down, or green pumpkin, then black, blue. And then it'd be Okeechobee Craw, Big Texan, probably those, that's that line up there. Denny's a big fan of black and blue and green pumpkin. Yeah. Denny's pretty wise. He's, yeah. he's, he's maybe, he's caught a bass or two on those two colors. I think that's about the only two color jigs he owned for the longest time. <laughs> yeah, I remember pulling up his boat. He opens up a box of jigs and there's a hundred jigs in the box and they're all green pumpkin or black and blue. And then like, I mean, what's the difference? And I, I guess he just, he needed a lot of them though. That's for some reason. 
Where do you get one of those hats? I want one. Oh, the Reese. Ooh. You have to ask my wife because she just had these made. So Reese fishing is a, is one of my new ventures that I'm working on. I'm actually designing and manufacturing, getting into the rod and reel business, doing it on my own instead of uh, designing for other companies and letting them sell them. So that's what we're working on is getting a Reese fishing brand up and going. And so hopefully this uh, later this year, the first line of rods will be out and then everything else hopefully will follow soon. What are my rods going to be like? What are my rods going to be like? They're going to be awesome. Yeah. They're be amazing. The coolest rods in the country. People really like wind grips. <clears throat> yeah, I don't like wind grips personally. They don't last. They tend to get really sticky after too many years, so they don't last. And they're also very heavy, so they add a, a lot of weight to a rod. So that's my personal opinion. So as of right now, don't plan on seeing any wind grip in my lineup. All right. Do I get any sneak peek? <laughs> uh that'd be a negatory huh. <laughs> sorry i thought i'd try do you make like a um, actually i've got my my first legitimate like um, hopefully the final samples of the rods uh, next week i will get my first uh, my hands on the first set of the actual new rods so uh, and then i gotta test them out for a little while and then uh, i got some samples some reels coming in and so hopefully soon you might have to, we might have to do this again. Just give you a couple uh, sneak peeks. All right. I'll be fun. Are you going to make like an all around rod? What's an all around rod? Well, that's like a medium, heavy, fast action for me. For you? Yeah. Oh, the Mike special? Um, there'll be, there'll be a couple rods in the lineup that will be good for you then. I lugged around like a ton of rods for a while. I don't have a boat, and I do shore fishing, and then I realized it's just no fun. To carry shore fishing no fun? No, to carry four rods around is no fun. No, carrying rods when you're shore fishing pretty much sucks. Yeah, because you're laying them down, and, and you're trying to – do you wade out in the ponds or wherever you go at all? Uh, I have a kayak. Um, well, well, then you, got, you can do four rods in a kayak. <sighs> You can do 12 rods in a kayak. That sounds... Have you not seen these tournament kayak tournaments now? These guys are like hardcore. All right. What else we got? Because I'm smelling tacos and my stomach is growling because I did a... I got almost a five-mile run in today, so I was happy. Wow, you're a runner. Well, no, no. I'm just old and out of shape, so I'm trying to keep going. <laughs> it's one thing that's kept me... Uh, competitive all these years is being able to stay in shape and you know, just stay conditioned so otherwise i wouldn't be able to keep up with all these young guys what I do. on the mlf website it says your hobbies are dancing and exercising okay exercising running lifting i do i do enjoy it it's it's not always fun but how you feel after a workout is always amazing it's yeah it's like the, the thought of going for the run tonight pretty much sucked because it's 40 degrees out so I didn't, I like, I don't want to go around the cold, but uh, once I finished, I was so glad I did. It felt great. And so now I'm, I'm good to go for tomorrow. It's been really cold around here lately. Like, yeah, I don't like cold. It's been like overnight temperatures of five below around here. Ow! That's cold. Yeah. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. Are Why there, do you still live there? 
get out of there. That's too cold. Uh, That's not human life is not designed to live in that cold of temperature. Our chickens don't like it either. <laughs> Are the eggs frozen when they come uh, out or what? They freeze up pretty quick. Do they really? Yeah. What do you do with them then? Thaw them. You do thaw them? You just thaw an egg out and you eat it? Yeah. Or you can make a you... or you can make a egg popsicle, eggsicle, like a hard boiled egg, except it's a popsicle inside. Yeah. yeah. No thanks. <laughs> How did your truck obsession start? Well, I wouldn't say it's an obsession. I just remember that uh, we were at a tournament at Clark's Hill Reservoir, Augusta, Georgia, and Byron Belvick had a truck built by a guy out there. And his truck had some, you know, they're working on it. So they gave him one of these big monster trucks to use that week. And he pulled into the parking lot of the tournament and that mo big black monster truck. I'm like, that's the coolest truck I've ever seen in my life. And I'm like, I, I want to have one of those. And, and I was like, of course, I was telling myself that, What's the reason? Why do I need a big truck like that? And I said, well, it holds 200 gallons of fuel. So I hate stopping for fuel, but I was like, that's my selling point. And so that's why I got one because it holds 200 gallons of fuel and it's the coolest looking truck on tour. Uh, how, how much do you pay to get gas? Um, so I get better mileage than most people think. I get 10 to 11 miles per gallon towing with that thing. Wow. But when I, you know, if you fill up, just say I put 150 gallons at a time, whatever fuel is for, you know, 350 a gallon, say average. So figure that out. <laughs> it's not cheap, but I don't stop very often. So mom doesn't really want me to get one. A monster truck? Yeah. It's a solid $500 bill every time. <laughs> but it's, it's all relative. It's like you fill up every, you know, 20 gallons or 25 gallons or you fill up 150 gallons you spend the same because there's guys on tour with trucks that get worse gas mileage than i do so really and they only get like 30 gallon tanks yeah some of these guys with the big lifted trucks and you know i'm not gonna say brands but they get six to eight miles per gallon wow yeah so i got a better investment my truck's way cooler <laughs> and there's way more pictures of my truck being taken around the country than theirs so nana -na -na -na. I, I saw like a picture of your truck in a parking lot. It kind of blew my mind. It's like <laughs> there's a lot of pictures of that truck. There is. There's a whole lot of pictures. Everywhere that truck goes, there's pictures taken of it. You, do you sometimes find like money on your wipers or something? I wish. Dude, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I get notes, but I don't get money. People leave notes? Oh, yeah. Like, what do they write? Just whatever, just, hey, big fan, love what you do, whatever. So, yeah, I get notes all the time on the truck. Yeah, my stomach's growling pretty good over here. Jimmy's in there eating right now, and it's killing me. All right, all right, I'll hurry up. I recently interviewed someone who just fished for Opens for a first year. What advice do you have for him if he wants to make a living at it? Well, it's a great question. It goes back to what I said earlier. Time in the water is the number one key to success. Until you are able to put yourself in lots of different fishing conditions and catch them uh, in all kinds of different conditions, 
that's what you have to do to be competitive. So being able to beat everybody else on a consistent basis and, and get top 10 finishes gains you credibility with the fans, the sponsors. And then when you go, when you switch to sponsor gear, it is a business. There's not but maybe a couple people in this country that could say they could, they've won enough money off tournament winnings to survive and make a living just off tournament winnings. So most of these guys' careers, their livelihood depends on endorsement and sponsorship money. And so you have to think about fishing as a business, is how are you going to move the needle for brand X to be able to sell lure XYZ off the shelf and make them money and hopefully make yourself money. So understanding marketing, branding, just business. So everything from packaging to distribution to marketing, these are all key components to being a professional bass fisherman anymore. So uh, to your friend that is an open angler, keep catching them, keep going down the path of fishing. It's not always easy, but if you're good enough, you know, then he will, he'll come out on the end and hopefully be able to do it for a living. But uh, the business side is something uh, you got to build a credibility, uh, but then you got to be able to help, help your local sponsors. It might be just your local retailer. It might be a shoe store. doesn't matter, but uh, it is a business. So you got to treat it as a business and be willing to work hard. Who taught you how to dance? That is self-taught chaos is what that is. Huh. Oh, um, I just, I don't know. I was one of those kids that, uh, first I was a wallflower. Uh, I just watched other kids dance at school and like, and you can see like, Oh, that guy can dance. I'm like, Oh, the girls like that. I'm like, Ooh, okay. <laughs> and then, uh, so I just threw myself out on the dance floor one day and, and then that was it. I was like, I loved it. I love the freedom expression of what dance brings to people. And, uh, just, it's, it's a, it's a great workout. And it's fun. So most people, they're too scared to dance. They're too scared to look stupid on the dance floor or whatever. Then, like, I don't care. Just let your body do what it feels like it wants to do. I heard you're a pretty good golf player. Is that true? No, I absolutely suck at golf, but I love playing at it. Now, my brother, on the other hand, Jimmy, and my brother, John, which are twins, they're, they're, they're good. They're, they're a lot better than me, but I love it. It's I still lose like a dozen golf balls every time I go, it seems like. But putting, put, now, now putting, that's a different story. I can putt. I'm a good putter. I just, the only part of my game I'm good at, though. <laughs> time for some rapid fire questions. These okay. Put. Braid, mono, or fluorocarbon? Floral. Square cranks, crankbaits, or deep crankbaits? Square bill. Favorite sport besides fishing? Golf. Favorite fish to eat? Tuna. Biggest fish you ever caught? Thousand pound bluefin tuna. Favorite dance? Hip hop. Broccoli or cauliflower? Broccoli. All right, time for a last question. If you could go anywhere in the world, what would your dream catch be? Ooh. That's a, that's a great question. I don't know. I still want to go to New Guinea, catch New Guinea bass. I want to go catch a giant arapaima. And I want to go to Africa and catch a tigerfish still. Nice. Thanks for coming on. Hey, my pleasure. So thanks for having me on. Hopefully your listeners and viewers like this and maybe you get a couple like, you know, a couple thumbs up. Yeah.
Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Catching Knowledge. You heard the man. Give me a thumbs up. You could also subscribe, leave a rating, or write a review. That will make me super grateful. I'd like to thank Denny Brower for connecting me with Skeet. And a huge thank you to Skeet for doing the interview. I'm really amazed I got to interview you. If someone would have told me I'd be interviewing Skeet Reese three years ago, I would have thought they were crazy. See you next time on Catching Knowledge. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.